I want to start off this morning with a, uh, a question for you. Have you ever been trapped in life? Have you ever felt trapped? Have you gone to an escape room? Have you heard of these things? They exist. How many of you have heard of an, an escape room? Okay. If you don't know, you pay money. You pay money for someone to lock you up in a room. And in that room, I've never done it, so, but I've heard about it. There are clues. There's maybe a key, a code, a crowbar, some method of escape. But they lock you in a room and leave you. And we pay money for this and it's entertainment, right? It's, maybe it's fun. Maybe when it's a game, maybe when you know that at the end of the day, if you can't find the key or the code or the crowbar, someone's still going to open the door and you're okay. That's what can make it fun, okay? But being trapped typically is not fun. I have one particular memory from a kid of being trapped in the bathroom. Um, we were at Towers. My family was at Towers department store. Anybody remember Towers? Right? I think Zellers bought them out, and then now Zellers is even no more. Target bought them out. Right? It's the nature of our world. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Right? But we were in Towers. I don't remember how old I was, but I was old enough to go to the bathroom by myself, and I think my dad, I remember my dad being there, was close by, I'm sure, <laughs> um, as I went to the washroom. And I honestly don't know how this happened, but I remember being in the washroom when all of a sudden the lights just went out pitch black, right? No windows, no nothing, just pitch black. No escape sign, no exit sign, no lights, no nothing, right? I just dark. And um, okay, I remember feeling for the latch. Okay, there it is. I'm out, but okay, sinks, walls, doors. I'm looking for light. I'm looking for anything to get out. And you know, when you're trapped, um, it probably wasn't that long, but when you're trapped, it can feel like an eternity, right? And when you're trapped, panic sets in real quick. And I just, help, somebody, help. And I was so relieved when my dad opened the bathroom door and light came flooding in and I was rescued. I was not so relieved to know that in all of my panic, I forgot to pull up my pants. <laughs> being trapped can be funny, but seldom is being trapped fun. But you know, being trapped isn't always a physical thing, is it? It can be emotional, mental, it can be spiritual. We can be trapped in wrong ways of thinking. We can be trapped in a bad relationship. We can be trapped in addictions, insecurities. We can be trapped in fears. We can be trapped in pride. We can be trapped in our work. We can be trapped in our need for acceptance. We can be trapped in poor health, in illness. We can be trapped in loss and grief. We can be trapped in poverty. We can even be trapped in our riches. We all feel trapped in life in one way or another, and it isn't fun. It can lead to a life of fear. It can lead to a life of worry, even a life of hopelessness, searching for some light, searching for some hope that a door will open. And light will come into our world once again. Usually when we're trapped, the reality is, is we can't save ourselves, right? 
Maybe we've done all we can, but we're still trapped. We need someone who can help. The reality is we live in a broken world. That's what the Bible tells us, right? There's a lot of great things that happen in our world. That's not what the Bible says. God made it. It's good, okay? But there is brokenness in the world. And brokenness comes in one of two ways, primarily. One, through our own wrong choices, right? Where we break ourselves. But secondly, it can come through the choices of others. And their choices are the things that break us. And in a broken world, we need help. We can't fix ourselves. This is the gospel. Okay? In uh, the Bible, the Israelites were often um, in trouble as a people, as the people of God. Uh, Maybe it was the attack of another nation. Maybe it was famine or drought. But there were times in their history when um, they were trapped. They were stuck, quite literally, and they needed help. And they couldn't help themselves. And so in those times, they turned to God, and they cried out to God for help. Help. And they said, God, we need you to be a God of refuge. We need you to be a God of hope and of strength. Do you know that in the Hebrew Bible, now that's the Old Testament part of your scriptures, of the Bible, okay? In the Old Testament, um, the word for God as refuge or the name of God related to being a refuge is used 99 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot, okay? 44 of those times is in the book of Psalms. And this morning, I want us to look together at Psalm chapter 46, okay? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 46. You can follow along on the screen. We're going to read through it. Um, And uh, I hope that you are encouraged by this amazing, incredible piece of Scripture this morning. You'll notice at the very beginning, it says that um, uh, it's for the director of music, a song of Korah, according to Alamoth, which is um, uh, it's supposed to be sung by the soprano section, Right? It's supposed to be those high, beautiful voices. Sopranos, anyone here this morning? Okay. All right. Dave, I won't make you sing it this morning. Thank you. Um, but let's read it together, okay? And think about Israel in a time of trouble, in a time of hardship, in a time of feeling trapped. What do they do? They go to the temple. They go to a place of worship, a synagogue somewhere, and they sing Psalm 46. This is what they do. Okay, so here's Psalm 46. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Okay, follow along on the screens. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms will fall. His vo- he lifts his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty 
is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. This is a psalm of confidence. It is not a psalm of confidence in ourselves, in humanity, in our ability. Remember, we're trapped. We can't rescue ourselves. This is a song of confidence in God. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who always will be. It's a psalm that stresses that God is able to be a protector, a safeguard, a stronghold, a refuge for his people. If you've been going to church for a while, you'll know a great old hymn of the faith that this psalm inspired Martin Luther to write. A mighty fortress is our God. Do you know that one? A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, a a wall never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. This psalm is a reminder to any of us and all of us who feel trapped and threatened and troubled that God is a God of refuge. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. This morning, I want to break this psalm down into three sections, and I want to pull out three truths that I think we can extrapolate from this that will hopefully encourage us, comfort us, and, and help us to find a true sense of refuge and strength in God. And in God alone, right? Earlier we sang, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. Okay? Psalm 46. It's written so that the people of God may have hope in God. No matter how dire the circumstances that you're facing, no matter how hopeless it is, no matter how suffocating the dark may be, no matter how deep the sorrow may have settled into your heart, that God is a God of refuge. He is a God of hope. He is a God of strength, of comfort, and of help. It's a psalm that reminds us that the source of strength The source of hope, the source of help is always found in God and in God alone. Okay, good. Section one, we'll look at the first three verses, and this is the truth I want to talk about. In an ever-changing world, God is the only constant. Okay? In an ever-changing and turbulent world, God is the only constant constant. His nature, his presence is constant. God is dependable. He is unbendable. He is unbreakable. He is well proven. He's well tested. He's well established as the one who is over all and in all and through all. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is unchanging. Everything else will change. God never does. Pure and simple, that's why God and God alone is our refuge. Because he, in a world of change, is constant. The anchor in the storm. Jesus says in John 16, he says it this way, In the world you will have what? Trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. 
No matter what you face, Jesus says, no matter how difficult it may be, though there seem to be no escape, take heart, have faith, trust in me, come to me, all who are broken, who are lonely, who are hurting, who are lost and scared and rejected and poor. Come to me. I have overcome the world. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will be a refuge for you, but you need to come to me. I am the only hope in an ever-changing world. God is the only constant for our hearts, for our souls in this world. In a time of trouble, like the Israelites, we need to realize that our source of refuge comes in God and God alone. Look with me at verses 2 and 3, okay? Because in verses 2 and 3, you know, I've just talked about how God is constant. God is rock solid. Verses 2 and 3 talk about the change that happens in our world. But the psalmist uses all natural things for us to think about, okay? We will not fear, though trouble comes, right? Though the earth give way. Think about, think about that like an earthquake. Think of the solid ground. I can rely on this. I stand here. Imagine earthquake trembling, earth separating, the abyss underneath you. What you thought was so dependable is slipping away under your feet. Though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Have you ever been out to the mountains out west and driven when you come through Saskatchewan and you're entering in and you start to see them on the horizon? It's like, oh my word. Like, have you seen that? Have you seen a picture? Like, mountains. What greater image of rock solid strength does our world have? But the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Imagine the Titanic. This thing is unsinkable, unstoppable, and yet there it goes. Blub, blub, right? I don't mean to make light of that, right? But honestly, but think, think of this imagery, a mountain slowly slipping and giving way and crumbling. The waters roar and foam. Think of the sea on a beautiful, calm, quiet day. There's nothing more beautiful and peaceful. But the climate changes, the winds shift and pick up. And that sea can be a dangerous, dangerous place all of a sudden and threatens to swallow you, swallow you up. Our world is ever-changing. This is the reality of our world. That relationship, let's bring it to our world, okay? This is natural imagery. Let's talk about us. That relationship that you thought you could always, always depend on is breaking. It's broken. Maybe it's even gone. It's not so dependable anymore. You can't lean on it. That health you once enjoyed, it's turned on you. And now you're battling an illness. You got to fight every day. That job that you depended on for your stability and your source of provision, well, the company downsized. You're going to need to find a new way. You know, all these things that we can put our trust in, put our hope in and say, but they're dependable. They're solid. That won't fail me. That won't fail me. That's unchanged. I can depend on these things. 
The psalmist says, though things seemingly so dependable give way and fall away, there's one thing that never will. And that's God. In God alone. He's the only one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In an ever-changing world, God is the only constant. You know, some people say that belief in God is a crutch. Something merely to lean on when life gets hard. Right? And it's true. We all need someone to lean on. Right? We know that song, lean on me when you're not strong. We all need somebody to lean on. And it's true, right? We all need someone to lean on. But belief in God is not a crutch. That relationship you depend on, as good as it may be, as beautiful as it may be, as as lovely and God-ordained as it may be, it's a crutch. Your good health Though you work at it so hard, you eat healthy, you exercise, you do everything, but you still get a diagnosis, right? Your health is a crutch. Your wealth is a crutch. Your youth is a crutch. What do we do when these things change? What about when the money's gone? What about when your health is failing? What about when you're desperately lonely and you have no one to care for you? What then? Where do you turn? Where do you go? When life is at its worst, when you feel so trapped, you don't need a crutch. You need a refuge. And that's why we come to God as an only constant in an ever-changing world. Okay, let's move on because we need to move on. <laughs> next three ver- or next few, four verses here. Here's the point. Through it all, God is with us. Okay, I'm going to try to move a little quicker through this one, but... Okay, notice the focus in these verses on the city of God, right? The dwelling place of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Um, There are two cities of God that often the scriptures refer to. One is Zion, heavenly city, right? Heavenly city of God. Uh, The other is Jerusalem, right? The city of God, the Israelites. This would have been the city of God of Jerusalem, where the Most High dwells, okay? So... um, Think of God being with his people. In the Old Testament, the temple in Jerusalem was so key because in the temple was the Holy of Holies and in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant sat the presence of God amongst his people. Where was God? Sure, God is always everywhere, right? But in that time, in that understanding, in that way, thing, how did God dwell with his people? Where did you go? You went to the temple. You went to where God was. You went into his presence. And actually, the high priest on once a year could go in only once a day into that place. But still, that's where God was, the city of God. Okay? So this, this is some of the reference being, being done here. Okay? God is always with us. He's with his people. Okay? Think of Jesus in Matthew 28, though. Okay? Think of Jesus anyway. Think of how amazing this is that the God who dwelt in the Holy of Holies in the temple, in the city of Jerusalem, now came to dwell and be with his people and be born in a stable in Bethlehem, to take on human form, to not just be a God who's present with his people in some temple that you can go in and with the Holy of Holies where you can go once a year. No, now God says, I will come and walk among you. I am, right, what's another name that we gave to Jesus? Emmanuel, meaning God with us. 
right? Think of how amazing this is. God with us, walking with us, talking to us. Never before in history was Jesus, was God so present amongst his people than when Jesus walked among us. But then Jesus with his disciples in Matthew 28 says, you know, we know this, right? Great commission. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey. And surely I am with you for just a couple more minutes and then I'm going up into heaven. No, no. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How can Jesus say this and then honestly moments later, see ya. What, what does Jesus mean? Pentecost, okay? God, you, you know, think of this progression. Build me a tent amongst you. I will come and live among you in the temple. Build me a tent. I'll be with you. Prepare a stable for me. I'm coming as a baby. I'll walk amongst you. Prepare your hearts, your souls, because I'm coming to indwell you if you believe in me. (sighs) Jaw drop. Like, are you with me on this? This is amazing. God, this is what sets, uh, sets Christianity apart God is with us. Not in some new agey way, God comes, we are God. No, 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 that's never it. Never it. But God is with us in ways that we never imagined. You probably have 10,000 questions swirling right now what that means. What does it mean? Prepare my heart, prepare my spirit. God's going to indwell me. No, no, you're in 10 million questions, right? Good news. Next week, we start a sermon series called Ever Present on the Holy Spirit. And the presence and the power of God in our world and in our lives. I'm glad you've got questions. I've got 10,000 too. So let's come back next week. We'll talk about those then. I'm not going to go any further here. But for now, imagine this presence of God. The, the progression, the development in our lives. Okay? Notice verse 4. Notice verse 4. The scene of nature changes, doesn't it? Remember? The, the sea, the, the mountains falling into the sea, the, it's surging, it's roaring, it's raging. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams become a babbling brook, become a dribbling, dribbling cool stream from which you can find refreshment and nourishment, right? This is the imagery. But where does it change? In the city of God, in the presence of God, right? This is Old Testament. Jesus, God, sorry, God's presence is in the temple, in the city of God. Peace comes when we come and take refuge in the presence of God. Those waves become rivers, become streams. Maybe not immediately, but we come there and we take refuge. We take strength. Philippians 4, 4 to 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That raging, roaring water finds peace and rest when we come to God. 
And as believers in Jesus, we have the great high priest. We have the great mediator. We come through Christ, and we can stand boldly in God's presence because of him. God is always with us. Always. Okay, third section. The truth here, faith is defined by what we choose to hold on to. These final verses, starting with verse 8, right, is an invitation. Come and see. Come and see. You need to bear witness to this. Come and see. And these verses are all about salvation. These are salvation verses, right? He makes wars to cease. He breaks bows and shatters spears. He burns shields, right? This is like, seems like war stuff. What's going on here? This is the heartbeat of God. This is the work of God in a broken world. You can't miss this. Please don't leave today missing this. Okay, come and see this. God is taking the effects of a broken world, all that sin that we inflict and others inflict, and he's reversing it. He's redeeming it. He's restoring it. At first, that doesn't sound too good, right? Come and see the desolation he has brought on the earth. We get caught up in that imagery and we think of this God who's up there squashing enemies under his feet and, you know, ah, okay? Listen to the language. I love verse 8. Come and see the desolation he has brought on the earth. Remember, the earthly kingdom is broken by sin. The ways of the earth are not God's ways. It's broken by sin. It's a broken place. So when the psalmist says, come and see the desolation God has brought upon the earth, it isn't, come and see the desolation and destruction. It's saying this, come and see the salvation and the redemption of God. Look how this broken heart has been mended. See this lie? that's been believed for far too long and has imprisoned and impoverished this person and stripped them of their power, do you see how I've replaced it with truth? Come and see where light has entered into the darkest, darkest of places in my name. See where hurts have been healed. See where griefs have been comforted. See where the lonely find friendship. See where sorrow has been given way to joy and where fear has surrendered to peace. Come and see... Come and see the total and utter desolation of God. Come and see the total, utter salvation of God. I think here of John the Baptist, right? He's trapped in prison, facing his own execution shortly. And he sends his disciples to Jesus and his disciples and says, Are you really the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? What does Jesus say? Tell John this. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. 
Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is being preached to the poor. Tell John, the desolation of salvation is here. Hold on, brother. Despite the darkness, light is winning. Faith is defined by what we choose to hold on to. You see, John's in a dark place. He was in prison. He was trapped physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. He wasn't sure what to hold on to anymore. He was questioning everything he held on to so firmly. That ground beneath his feet was giving away. That mountain of truth that Jesus is the Messiah, it appeared to be slipping into the depths of the sea. The, the calm sea had shifted and the, 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 the raging storm was around and he was sinking. He was going down fast and he needed a place of refuge. And he says, are you really the one or should I seek another refuge? Should I seek another anchor for this storm? And Jesus says, brother, hold on. Come and see the desolation. You can't see it where you are, but it's happening. Hold on. Hold on. I am not a crutch. I am a refuge. I am an ever-present help in time of trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Look at the words, right? They are war imagery. The bow is shattered. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear, right? The bow and the spear. Uh, Weapons, things that hurt, things that maim, things that bring death and destruction. Those things God takes and destroys, bringing healing, comfort, and peace. The shield, what's the burning of the shield all about? Those those shields that, that protect us, but actually we put up things against ourselves to keep ourselves isolated, to keep ourselves fearful and hidden, Those barriers, those shields that maybe other people put up around us to keep us um, barricaded in, to keep us limited, kept down, silent, walls of injustice, oppression. With holy fire, God is burning them down, bringing freedom and hope. This is salvation imagery. It's also war imagery. We see a God who fights for us, a warrior who enters into the battlefield, and when we cannot fight for ourselves, fights for us. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Easier said than done, right? How can I be still when the mountain's falling into the sea, when the ground beneath me is crumbling, when everything I'm holding on to is slipping away, how can I be still? By running to God, taking refuge in Him. Be still and know that I am God. A quick verse from Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, okay? This is at a time, we talked about it a few weeks ago, if you were here during our Damaged Goods series, um, where um, the Israelites were fleeing Egypt, and they were before the the Red Sea. Um, They didn't have boats, they couldn't get across, the Egyptian army was behind them, remember? And God made a way. He made a pathway through the sea that nobody thought was there. And this verse comes in the midst of that that time in, in history, in that 
time in Exodus. And this is what Moses says in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 14. In that exact situation, everybody's freaking out. Nobody's being still. Would you be still? I got, you know, an impassable thing before me and death behind me and I can't run right or left. I'll just sit and be still. No way, right? Panic, fear, hopelessness. Moses says this, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then, of course, we know the water's parted. I'm not saying being still is easy, but it's certainly not possible when you don't come to God and take refuge in Him. (laughs) Come, run to God, take refuge in Him. There's your action. And then be still and rest and trust in God. Be still and know that in an ever-changing world, God is the only constant. He's unbreakable and he is capable to rescue you. Be still and know that through it all, even when you can't hear his voice or feel his presence, he is still with you, never leaving you, never forsaking you, but always protecting you. Be still and know that when you choose to have faith and hold on to Christ, he will never stop fighting for you. That when the battle is at its worst and you are at your weakest, you don't need to fight anymore. You need only come. Be still. And the God of heaven's armies will fight for you. I am an ever-present help in times of struggle. Can I, the worship team, if you guys can come back up, we're going to sing one last song together as we close. It's a song this morning uh, that speaks about God's unfailing love. And as we sing this song together, I want it to be our anthem, right? I want it to be our hope for this week ahead, for the situation you're facing, no matter what it is, that God will see you through it, that you can come to him and take refuge in him, that his love never fails. Of course, always a reminder that if you feel led to pray after the service, if you want to pray alone, if you want to pray with somebody, the prayer room is always open. Remember uh, the verse from Philippians? Come and pray and the peace of God will guard your heart against all understanding. The peace that passes all understanding. So please use the prayer room if you can, okay? As we sing, let's um, remember that God is always with us and ever-present help in times of trouble, okay? I'm going to pray, and then you guys can take it away. Let's pray together. (coughs) Heavenly Father, our refuge and strength, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters rage and roar around us, we, your people, will not fear, because in you we find our refuge. But God, we need your help in this. We can't do it alone. We can't help ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We never have been able to do that. Lord, would you help us to lessen our grip on those things that give us false hope? And would you strengthen us to cling more tightly to you? Grant us peace and rest in the shadow of your wings where we are fighting so hard and struggling so much, would you please grant us the wisdom to just simply come to you and be still and to know that you are God. And where we're blinded to your presence in our world and in our lives, may the scales 
fall from our eyes and may we see more clearly, more so than ever before, the truth that you are fighting for us. May fear give way to peace. May doubt give way to hope. And may the hurt and the pain we feel melt in the realization of your unfailing love. In Jesus' name, amen.